weeknight team ready to reason. Continuing in our study of Acts, last week we studied Paul's second missionary journey. People were getting saved, lives were changed, and as that was happening, Paul and Silas were thrown in jail because people could not fathom what was actually happening. And Paul and Silas being thrown in jail, they praised God in the jail. And the popular um, references at midnight, uh, Paul and Silas were praying and the prison door shook and God delivered them. And we saw that it wasn't just that God delivered them, but that God delivered them, God delivered the jailer, uh, God just, just showed up in a mighty way. And it's funny because at the end of the passage, even the police had to apologize for a wrongful persecution because they arrested um, Paul and Silas for being Jews coming in to, 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 to Rome and preaching something as Jewish people. And Paul was actually a Roman citizen. So they had to actually apologize to him uh, and take back what was said. And even the jailer and everyone in the midst um, not only did Paul and them get an apology, but they were released and people were saved in the midst of all that was happening. Paul and Silas were practicing Jewish customs, so they were perceived as people not of their culture. They were perceived as people of the Jewish culture. And I think that's very interesting because we are in a time right now where it seems like everyone is about culture. Everyone is about where you're from and what you represent. And quite frankly, I don't care what's said about me, but I'm going to talk a little bit tonight about culture because we are so black and white. It's black culture and white culture, and if we can get really real about it, we are prejudiced against Indian culture. There's all kind of bias. White people say things about black people. Black people say things about white people. White people say things about Indians. Everyone's got something to say about people who don't pay taxes that own gas stations. Let's just get real. Y'all want to get real? We, we, we going to talk. We prejudice against Indian. We prejudice against uh, African American. We pre prejudice against Caucasian. We prejudice against Native American. We always talking about rights, and Native Americans don't have any rights to the land that was theirs, and we walk around as if it's ours. Let's just, can, can we talk? There's all kind of culture this, culture that. Well, I grew up this way. It's the southern culture. It's the culture of the north. It's this culture. It's that culture. It's African culture. It's Indian culture. It's Mexican culture. It's Spanish culture. It's European culture. And I think that we have to get under the notion that the only culture that we need to worry about representing is the culture of heaven on earth. And the culture of heaven on earth is not I grew up this way or I grew up that way. It's I'm going to relearn everything under what my God tells me to represent, what my God tells me to look like, what my God tells me to talk like, and I don't really give a crap about how you were taught. I don't give a mess about what you thought was right. What the Word says is what we need to rep. Is this okay already? We've got to stop giving our allegiance to a worldly culture. We've got to stop giving our allegiance to customs of the world when God says you are not of this world anymore. 
You are of heaven. I have taken, I've taken you and placed you on this earth. I want you to be one people of a different type of culture, heaven on earth. Are we already getting comments? <laughs> Probably. That's all right. If you don't like what I'm saying, get saved. So Paul and Silas are coming against culture. And they're sharing their testimony and all that has happened. And now they're going to start to travel again. And what we're going to see is they're going to be traveling amidst many different cultures. Oh, I'm, I'm feeling it already. I'm going to be attacked this week. <laughs> Acts 17, we're going to start in verses 1 through 4. Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphip Amphipolis <laughs> and Apollonia, and they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with people. Someone say, reason with people. He used the scriptures to reason with people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent men, uh, women. Paul had a custom. He went to the Jewish synagogue service and it says he used scripture to reason with people. Now this, this word reason is actually the Greek word for this word reason is the root word for our English word dialogue. The word reason when it says Paul reasoned with the people was actually the English word dialogue. So in other words, Paul didn't come into these Jewish synagogues and just started preaching at them. He didn't get up in the pulpit and started saying, you need to believe this, you need to believe that. Paul started having a dialogue with people. He started having an exchange with people. It was a question and an answer thing. It was, a, I'm going to give you three weeks in this Jewish synagogue. I'm going to talk to you about a different culture than you are used to. It says he explained the prophecies and proved that Jesus was the Messiah and that he had to suffer and rise from the dead. And through this reasoning, through this dialogue, through this explanation, some people believe. And in that verse 2, it says he used the scriptures. He used the scriptures to reason or to dialogue with the people. He didn't use where he was from. Remember, Paul was a Roman guy who was now walking in Jewish synagogues representing a Jewish man who did not submit to Judaism teaching. He was all mixed up in a whole bunch of culture. And he didn't say I was a Roman. He didn't say I'm Jewish. He said, I am representing the Messiah who rose from the dead, suffered from our, for, for, for our sins, and saved us. He went right in there and he said, I am not talking about what I grew up in. I'm not telling you how I was raised. I'm not telling you my opinion because if I did, it would contradict everything that I live for now. 
Remember, Paul's culture was, I'm killing believers. Paul's culture was, I'm at the top of the game. I'm in the government. I am persecuting Christians. That was Paul's culture. But he said, I'm not going to accept my culture. I'm going to accept what I am reborn into. I don't care. He said, I don't, I'm not Roman. I'm not Jewish. I'm not that. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I'm a Roman coming into a Jewish synagogue talking about a God that no one believes in. And there are too many of us that use the wrong thing to reason with people. We use opinion. We use culture. We use tradition. It's the way we use the way we are. But Paul said, I'm not going to reason with you based off of anything that I am. I'm going to use one thing to reason with you, Scripture. I'm going to use Scripture to reason with you, to dialogue, and with these people, they're going to either receive what I have to say or reject what I have to say. And because I'm using Scripture as my reasoning tool and my dialogue tool, the rejection or the receiving has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with this word that I'm standing on. And what's happening right now in the world is we're having all this all lives matter or black lives matter or do police matter or do this matter. And the fact of the matter is we're all defending a stance based off of our opinion and our culture. And God says, do not take a stance off of your culture. God says, don't take a stance off of how you were raised. Don't take a stance off your oppression. Don't take a stance off of the injustice. Don't take a stance off of what your family says. Stand on reason. Get ready to dialogue with one thing, Scripture. And this word does not say love some. It says love all. It does not say respond speedily. It says be patient. We have not stood on this and we are not ready to reason anymore. America has become a people that are not ready to, to reason with Scripture. We've become more obsessed with defending our culture. A culture that God has said, we've got to turn this thing upside down and wipe everything away because all this culture is doing nothing but dividing. And if I, can I just get really in your face? And please share this everywhere. There are too many pastors getting out in the streets, rioting and rallying because you're trying to win people instead of standing on the scripture and unifying people. You're rallying against cultures. And I'm sick of it and you don't deserve a pulpit. Yep, I said it. People in this world don't want to be preached at anymore. They want a dialogue. They want, will this person who believes in this God honor my time and love me enough to dialogue with me and reason with me? But the question is, are you ready to reason? Or is what comes out of you defiled because what's coming out is not of God. It's your own ideals, your own beliefs, and your own culture. 
Look at this in Mark chapter 7. This is Jesus speaking in Mark chapter 7, verses 7 through 13. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and you substitute your own tradition. And then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you. I vow to give to God. What would I have given to you? In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many. And everyone can identify with this. We are justified in dishonoring parents because of their downfall. And we skillfully sidestep of they don't get my honor because of what they did. But the law of God says honor is not based off of what they deserve. Honor is based off of my God tells me I have a culture that is not based off of what they deserve. It's based off I, I give what I have received. That scripture that Jesus just spoke about, it describes America. We have canceled the word of God in order to hand down our own practices and traditions. And when people need answers, we aren't ready to reason, we're ready to defend. And the next two verses in the scripture, look at what Jesus says in verses 14 through 15 of Mark chapter 7. It says, then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. He says, all of you listen and try to understand. It's not what goes in your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Now, a lot of people talk about that text, but they never explain the word defile. Because we think defile, we think unclean, we think nasty, we think dirty. But the word defile in this text the what you are defiled by what comes from your heart is from a greek word koinono k-o-i-n-o-o you know what it means to become common you become common by what comes from your heart in other words if what is in your heart is not the word of god what comes out of you will define you as common instead of defining you as a man or a woman living in the uncommon family of God on this earth. And common people don't change things. Uncommon people do. And the danger in letting what comes out of your heart define you as common is that people don't look at you as strange as the Bible says you are to be strangers or aliens on this earth unto the people that view you. People should look at you and your practice and your culture as uncommon. It is uncommon for us to be above culture. What is common? I identify as this. I identify as that. You don't get to choose what you identify as. God chooses you. And if we are going to be accepting him as our God and reborn into his culture, 
what we speak of and what we support and what we uh, identify with has to be uncommon in the eyes of the world. And what the world is doing right now is allowing you, the world is saying you have the right to choose your identity. And God says, no, 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 I chose you before. The, I chose you. I created you. I knew you before your mama and daddy created you. I chose you. But the world says you get to identify. And everyone accepts it. And that's become common. And nothing we're saying anymore sounds uncommon. And when you're uncommon, the beauty of it, when you're starting to speak things that are uncommon, they are so against the ways of the world that you can no longer stand on your own reasoning and your own traditions. You have to stand on something that backs up your uncommon ways. And you know what it is? This right here. You have to stand on the word and you have to get ready to reason and have a dialogue. You have to get ready to dialogue and reason with why is it that you say you don't need to uh, give, give your allegiance to a worldly culture? Well, because this is my culture and let me show you why. But are you ready for that? Are you ready to open up this word and show people why we are not to give allegiance to a culture that is defiled? Why we're not ready to, to give allegiance to black or white, but rather kingdom. B because if I'm reading this text correctly, if you've been listening to the series, there, there's, there's white apostles and black apostles and, and European apostles. And it's all, it's, it, they're not even defined by their race or defined by their name that God gave them. But all America is about, well, we've been oppressed and we've done this and they've done. So what? Oppression is here. Get over it. And when I say get over it, I don't mean ignore it. That's the worst thing we can do. We don't need to ignore. We don't need to push it away. We need to embrace the idea that there is oppression. We need to embrace the idea that there are problems. We need to embrace the idea that there is racism. But let's not the way we respond be what we've gone through. Let's respond with we are from a new culture. We are from an uncommon way of handling it. What we're doing is we're handling a real issue with common traits. Let's start to handle the real issue issues with uncommon ways that can only be attributed to reasoning with this word. Is this making sense? Look at what happens in Acts 17 verses 5 through 9. But some of the Jews were jealous. So they gathered some troublemakers in the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. America hadn't seen any riots lately. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. Riots are common, not uncommon. I'll leave it at that. Not finding them there, verse 6, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted, and now they are here disturbing our city too. I want to read that again. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world. And now they are here disturbing our city. Jason has welcomed them into his home, and they are guilty of treason against Caesar because they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. 
The people of the city as well as the city council were thrown into turmoil by these reports, so the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond, and then they released them. I love this. These men were reasoning and having dialogue in a Jewish synagogue with an uncommon heart defined by God, and they were accused of one thing. They are changing the world, and now they're changing our city because they are living by allegiance to Jesus and not the ways of our culture. Everything they were doing was uncommon. The way they were talking, the way they were living, they, the, what they were claiming allegiance to, everything was uncommon. And the reasoning they spoke with and dialogue with was uncommon. And there will be people who receive it and people who reject it. Are you ready for that? Are you ready, ready to live in an uncommon way where people will reject you or receive you? Because what happens is Christians love to the idea of living uncommon. But then when we start to have a dialogue where we have uncommon ways or a difference in beliefs, we're really quick to retreat to common talk to gain trust or to gain acceptance or we backtrack and we don't stand on the word anymore because we want to make sure we good. We want them to feel like we accept them instead of standing in our uncommon practice. I see it all the time. Christians are so quick to retreat because we don't want to offend. We don't want to make them feel like we, we're in disagreement. We don't want to make them feel like I, I was having a conversation with someone. They were listening to my podcast, and they thought I was a great preacher, and, and they thought that, 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 that we, they heard that Relentless had great worship, and we feed the homeless, and we're in recovery centers, and so they want to meet me at a, a, a coffee shop. Um, this, this was months ago before COVID-19. They wanted to get involved with the church, and they were excited. And then after a one-and-a-half-hour conversation, they asked me one thing. And I know we're live, but I'm uncommon, and I love being uncommon, so I'm going to tell you what my uncommon thing is. Amen? They said, do you allow people in your church to practice homosexuality? Because... A lot of, because I have friends and family who are gay, and I want to make sure that you will accept them. And I looked at this person and I said, anyone's welcome in the house of God, but I will never tell them it's okay to practice that sin, no matter what the world tells me I have to say. And, because, and even though they love the teaching, love the worship and love what we did because I would not retreat to a common ideal of the world, they would not come to the church. Are we okay with that? Are we okay to take such a stand to say, I love the person, but I hate the sin? Are we, are we okay with that? And I know that's controversial, but maybe we need more people to stand up and be controversial, uncommon in a world that is so lost and searching for truth. And to hear me that I love homosexuals, I love sinners, I love alcoholics, I love drug addicts, but I love you so much that I do not want to see you stay in that. 
and I'm not going to retreat to a common worldly thing of saying, I commend you and I'm okay with that. We're not okay with that. Neither is God. God does not say you get a free pass. You don't get a free pass on that. I'm not saying he sends you to hell for it, but you are limiting your life. And in what we're talking about in the world right now with this whole practice of, of defending cultures and creating divide, do you see what we're doing? The United States of America is the most divided, united thing I've ever seen. And the biggest thing that divides Christians is Democrat or Republican. But thank God we're praying into unity. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just sick of it. We're too busy giving allegiance to things that don't matter. Are you dialoguing with common opinion or uncommon truth? Is this all right? All right. Acts 17, verses 10 through 12. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. And when they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And the people, uh, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. I love that God was working through Paul and Silas to turn the world right side up with what seemed like upside-down thinking. And this world right now, we're trying to use our common thinking to change things. I, I think the biggest mistake of the church, and it's something that I'm learning right now, is we're, so, we're trying so hard to be culturally relevant. And God's like, I don't need you to be relevant to the culture because I'm trying to redeem it. Why are you trying to be relevant to something that I have not blessed. Paul and Silas are walking in to this new town, and with all this pushback, they kept doing the same thing. They walked into this new town, even though they just got this pushback, this pushback and rejected, they walked in and they started speaking the same thing. And I started thinking about how we talked about in, in earlier in this message how what comes out of your heart can defile you? Well, if what comes out of the heart can defile you, and another scripture says, out of the heart the mouth speaks. We got to keep speaking an uncommon truth through reasoning and dialogue, even if it means going through pushback and rejection all over again. Because... What comes out of your mouth by speaking it can be the very thing that defiles you if it's starting to become common. Oh, it's okay to do that. You just became common. You just defiled yourself. One of the biggest things that people in the South do, talking about issues of sin in the church, people say it all the time. Well, you do you. You just defiled yourself. What's the uncommon thing? Repent. That's what should become, not you do you, because when you say you do you, you're giving them an excuse to 
well, you believe what you believe, I believe. No, 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 you just defiled yourself. You just said you agree with they can believe what they want to believe and you can believe what you want to believe and both of you will be okay. Out of the heart, you just defiled yourself. You became common. Is this making sense? We cannot be common. Are you ready to reason? Even if it starts to seem unprofitable, when your faith doesn't seem to be working, you ever had times where you had to be uncommon and you see no fruit from being uncommon? Are you ready to stick in the uncommon even when it seems like your faith is not producing? I'm sure there was a time the disciples felt this way. I mean, think about it. In three days when Jesus went in the grave, they started doubting the fact that he was going to rise up. Hadn't even been 72 hours, and they were doubting the fact that this man who they walked with for three years and three days, they lost hope that he was going to rise up. We all go through those times. Are you ready to stay uncommon? Are you ready to reason? And in this reasoning, are you ready to receive? Because remember, the word here for ready to reason is dialogue. Look at what the Bereans did right here. Paul and Silas come in, they started speaking an uncommon thing, and what did the Bereans do? The first thing they did, it says, they opened up and searched the scripture to make sure what Paul and Silas were saying was correct. Are you ready to dialogue? Are you ready to search the scripture when you hear something that offends the truth that you know? Because I guarantee you, under the sound of my voice or any preacher in America, someone will hear something that offends what you have always known to be true or offends your culture. But what do you give your allegiance to? Your culture? Or are you willing to dialogue, search the scripture, and not move the scripture for your culture, but move the culture for the scripture? Move the culture out the way. Move yourself out the way and get in line with what this word says. Are you, ready, are you ready to reason with what you've always known? Are you ready to reason to what your family tradition has always been? Are you really ready to say less of me and more of him? Because we, like, we like to say these things, less of me, more of him. I want to die for God, and I want God to live through me. But do you realize that means that sometimes you're going to hear something that offends your spirit, it's going to offend your practice, it's going to offend what you've known to be true, it's going to offend your theology, it's going to offend your doctrine, and the first thing we do is defend the doctrine instead of saying, well, let me search to see if I got something wrong because that could be a key revelation that you've missed, not to your own fault, but for the false teaching that you received through traditions and customs. But we are so common to our culture that we won't think for a second that our culture was wrong. That's the problem with a lot of white people in America in the South. Their culture is it's okay to be racist, and they won't throw it away. It's the problem with black culture. They think that all white people are racist. Some do. That's the problem with uh, non-believing culture. They think that all Christians think that they are better than non-believers. It's, it's culture. And I'm not trying to say anything that offends you, 
but I am trying to offend your culture. Does that make sense? I'm digging some holes tonight. Some holes are worth digging. Let me read 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work, all of it. All scripture is inspired and is used to teach us what's good, what's right, and to realize what's wrong with us. If you see something in this word that doesn't sit well with your heart, do not move the word to match your opinion. Move your heart and move your opinion to match the word. It makes you uncommon. Moving on in Acts chapter 17, verses 13 through 15. But when some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and stirred up the trouble. The believers acted at once, sending Paul on to the coast while Silas and Timothy remained behind. Those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens, and then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join him. I love this. The trouble came again, and they went after Paul because Paul was the one with the dialogue. Paul was the one with the reasoning. But Paul, like we talked about last week, had some replaceables. He had Silas, and he had Timothy. And Paul said, I'll go, but I'm going to leave these two here because we've got some new believers in, in Berea, and they've got to be developed. Same way as Jesus had, Jesus, Jesus had to go, and he left us with something to reason and dialogue with to make sure that we could be developed in the absence of his physical presence. And it's this right here. We have no reason to waver from his teaching, but we so often become common. Common in practice, common in lifestyle. Where are the uncommon people? Verse 16, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to do what? Can you guess what the word is? Reason. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. And he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. I want you to think about what's going on. S Silas and Timothy were left in Berea to develop the people who were believing while Paul went to Athens. Paul was waiting for Silas and Timothy to join him after they were done in Berea. Now imagine where Paul is. He's in Athens. Beautiful architecture, beautiful structures, beautiful city. Paul is waiting for them, and he's looking around at this beautiful city. And he's not awed by beauty, by this, wow, look at this tremendous sculpture, or look at these paintings. No, it says Paul was deeply troubled by everything he saw in the city because 
what the sculptors and the artists and the architects had given glory to were idols. And I think sometimes we can become common because we get too caught up in what's beautiful and it silences justice. Paul goes to Athens, a beautiful city. But he didn't get peace from the beauty that bothered him because all the beauty was given to idols. The best sculptors and the best architects were building idols and giving beauty to things that did not honor God. And it troubled Paul so much that he went and was ready to reason. And I wonder how often do we stay silent silent when we should speak up because we're not ready to reason. How often do we walk around in downtown Savannah and we stay silent when we should be ready to reason? How often do we walk around even in our households and see the things that we're watching on TV or, or with friends and the conversations that we're having and the things we're talking about and what we should be speaking and be ready to reason with and dialogue with and bring an uncommon sound to an uncomfortable situation, we stay silent. And all the powerful Christians have become just as common as the non-believers. Because the beauty we're mesmerized with is let's just feel good and let's just have a good time. Your good time has replaced the need to be uncommon. And that's something that we all get trapped in. Moving on in verse 18, he's having this conversation with these people in Athens and he says he also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers for, for those of you that might not know what that is Epicureans were they believed that gods existed but they had nothing to do with men and Stoics they believed that everything was God um, God was in everything and nothing good or evil should be resisted um, it was just accept everything as is well when he told them about Jesus and his resurrection They said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Now pause for a moment. Paul, who has gone through riots and stonings, and everything that was against him because of his uncommon talk just gets invited to the high council in Athens. They took him to the high council of the city, come and tell us about this new teaching. You are saying some rather strange things and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seemed to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. They heard an uncommon teaching, and they said, you know what, let's dialogue about it. We're ready to reason. Verse 22. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you're very religious in every way. 
For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing, that's the one I'm telling you about. I love how what Paul does. He's like, the unknown thing that you're wondering about, let me, tell, let, me, let me tell you exactly what that unknown thing is. He is the God, verse 24, who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. See, he's talking to what they built. He doesn't live in what you built. Human hands can't serve his need, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfied every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and when they should fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God. Let me pause there. His purpose for the nations was to seek God, not our own way, not even our own freedom. Yeah, we are too hung up on, I'm, I have the right to. If you really are seeking God, you should fall in love with surrendering your rights and saying, God, what would you have? What do you want? What do you want me to say? I only want to speak what you want me to speak. I only want to do what you would have me do. Surrender the right to freedom and embrace a new uncommon idea of freedom. I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. And as a child of God, Father, whatever you say, yes, sir. I surrender to you. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. And some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. How uncommon is that he's saying? You can no longer just have your own beliefs. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt. Because remember, this is a dialogue. Some were like, <laughs> no way. But others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ends Paul's discussions with them. But some joined him and became believers. You see, Paul was standing not on his own opinions or his culture. He was standing on the scriptures. He was standing on the truth. And because he stood on this, when he was rejected, he moved on. And those who wanted to receive what was on common went with him. He didn't dishonor the council. He didn't say you're a bunch of horrible people. He just moved on.
we find in, in, through Titus and Timothy and other, other scriptures, we are to honor our governing officials. So any of you that want to talk bad about your governing officials, you are common and you are defiled. Some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysus, a member of the council, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. We are in a day when people are searching for truth. And the church can no longer be defined only by the good we do. We have to be defined by are we defiled by being common or are we embracing the uncommon. And I want to close with these five verses in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. And this is for everyone. Preach the word of God. Be prepared. Whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and, and wholesome teaching. Listen to this. There will come a day where people no longer listen to sound teaching. What's happening today? People no longer listen to sound teaching, so they're creating their own doctrines. And what's sad is that it has filtered into the church. They will follow their own desires. They will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Make no mistake, every single person has a ministry. Ministry is not defined as something you do in the organization of church. Your ministry is what you are called to bring to make a common world uncommon in the eyes of heaven. Because what's uncommon is actually the original intent of God. But we view it uncommon because what's become common is opposite of how he set it up. What your ministry is, is I'm taking what the world has accepted, and my ministry is whether I'm in a medical field or a law field, or I'm in church, or I'm in, I don't know, working at a gas station, or I'm delivering beverages, or I'm working at a movie theater. I don't know where I'm at, but I'm called to turn it upside down. I'm called to bring an uncommon thing. That, that is your ministry. So I'm asking you tonight, are you ready to reason? Are you ready to dialogue with some uncommon things? With people who are common? You gotta be ready to reason. You gotta be ready to dialogue. You gotta be ready to discuss. To give truth and not opinion, not based off of your culture, but based off of the kingdom culture of God. Keeping a clear mind in every situation so that God would receive glory and honor. That when people hear what we say and see what we do, they see an uncommon culture of heaven on earth. Be ready to reason. Amen.